Welcome to the Untitled Car Project podcast. Your one-stop show about Indian car enthusiasts capable of giving Dominic Toretto a run for his money. With serial gearhead Siddhant and Shivam, here we go. Um, how are you doing, Shreesh? How is it going there? Good, good. All good, man. How is the COVID situation coming up with mm. you, and how no, are you sort of navigating so, through it? Yeah, not good. Uh, difficult times, but then it's the same for everybody. So we just have to make do with the situation. Yeah, yeah your posts, uh, your posts keep us going, you know, because uh, I was <laughs> discussing this with uh, my friends, and you know, we keep seeing your posts, and uh, that it's really fascinating. So that's actually that's what we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, dive a yeah, bit deep so. to it, and uh, yeah, just you know, have a regular conversation about uh, and get where we express insights. our love for cars uh, and bikes yeah. and everything. So yeah, sure, sure, yeah, let's go for it. All right, perfect. So. Siddhant, take it away. Yeah, so uh, we'll start. Just start off with a little, you know, get into the basic thing that is right now going on, which is the Thar, which is in town right now. So, mm-hmm. what do you have your take when people are the main main thing that's coming up on every social media platform that I see is they're trying to connect it with the Jeep Wrangler somehow. And apart from just the engine that the Thar is using, what is the main thing that you'd like to say about it? Yeah, so the whole thing about the uh, Thar being a ripoff of the Wrangler. See, you got to remember yes. that Mahindra's heritage it dates back to the CJ3. Okay, so that's yeah, what yeah. they started off manufacturing here in India in 1947-49 or well, 49, I think. Yeah. yeah? So okay. they've been making the Jeep ever since then. Uh, it was called the Jeep. So when uh, we were kids, the MM540 it had Jeep badges on yeah. the flanks. So it was everybody knew it as the Jeep. Everybody called it the Jeep, and that's what Mahindra has been making for very very long. In fact, they have stuck with that original Jeep iconic face for far longer than anybody else actually have. So then saying that the Thar is a rip off of the Wrangler, I don't think it's right because if you look at the Thar and then you look at all the other Jeeps, so called Jeeps in yeah. Mahindra's backstory. You know, yeah. right from the MM540, the 550, then the classic, the legend, the old Thar, yeah, which yeah. is now a decade old, the major, which is uh, which was sold in the rural markets, the Thar Di, which was sold in the yeah. rural markets, which was a replacement for the major, and now the new Thar. All of it traces a distinct and very noticeable visual identity. So it all looks like the Mahindra Jeeps, and I say yeah, Jeep with a small J. not the jeep yeah. company capital j right so uh, yeah obviously it will look like the wrangler because both trace their dna and their origins back to that world war 2 willys jeep yeah you can say that it's But not a fair comparison yeah it's not a fair comparison and i've driven the wrangler the earlier jk the new jl yeah. and they drive very differently so the wrangler definitely feels more premium more upmarket but that said for what mahindra are going to charge uh, for the thar which i think it is between 13 and 15 but uh, adil he says it's going to be between 10 and 13 so if it is say within 15 lakh rupees you get nearly as much as the wrangler at uh, 
30% of the 35% of the price. are they going a little too techy with the jeep with the you know robust uh, structure of the jeep and they're getting into the too techy scene wherein they're putting in lights and the whole dashboard of it is it fair to do it with the jeep or do you yeah, want see, to stick to being a robust the, the biggest no the biggest problem with the earlier thar was that it was not livable on a regular daily basis yeah, yeah. i remember True. when we started off uh, Evo, we had a Thar on long-term test, and I never took that home because it was uh, too crude, too basic. It was okay as a toy for a short drive, and that's about it. You had to be like really hardcore. So our colleague back then, Osip, he uh, kept the Thar, and that was a rally prep Thar without aircon, rally suspension. Uh, you know, it was hardcore. It was like a rock, and he used to drive it every day. But you had to be that kind of a person. With this new that's Thar, it. they've made it more civilized. they've uh, <laughs> made it a, a vehicle that you can actually use every day comfortable good decent ride quality uh, it's still a ladder frame so you do have that ladder yeah. frame uh, ride characteristics but it is still a ladder frame it can do serious offroading we did not do serious offroading if you saw the last video that we put out on the evo india yeah, channel it's not it's not serious offroading but uh, it was uh, it felt that it could do much more so whatever we had the confidence to push it through it easily went through all of that okay. and i'm looking forward to driving that mahindra adventures offroad academy at igatpuri to really see how much we can push it Beautiful. but it's got that offroad ability plus it is civilized and you can use it every day so as a daily driver now the thar can be used earlier you could not use a thar as a daily driver and that was its biggest failing uh, we you drive this new thar with the old thar and it feels like three generations ahead that old thar was bouncy as hell because of the leaf spring suspension it was basic it yeah. was bare bones it did not feel built well uh, it was it was too much uh, it was just a toy that you would use on weekends and that's I mean since we're talking about rally and all i mean we just saw a recent post on evo that inrc is about to start and mm. it is about to start soon on around, around november i guess november and yeah they, yeah so Do you think there'll be uh, considering the situation of COVID right now? Do you think there'll be enough participants this year, or will be the will the count yeah. be a little less? Uh, difficult to say, but all signs are that the participants, the field will reduce because um, yeah, you no, know, it's not easy in these times. Uh, the other thing is that uh, COVID is not going to go anywhere by November, yeah. so it's still going to be there. I hope it does. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so so travel. How do you sort out all your travel? then um, so like everybody's looking at what formula 1 is doing what motogp is yeah. doing but they have those bio bubbles right so are they going to do it that all the participants all the mechanics all the teams they go to arunachal and they are quarantined for 14 days and then uh, they yeah. kick off the rally that's not feasible yeah. nobody can leave home for 14 days and sit in arunachal doing nothing uh, so how is that going to happen how are you going to do social distancing in a rally okay social distancing is possible you have your service space a little further from each other but when all the mechanics are working on the car there is no social distancing um, after the first stage when you come in there will be you know 8 10 mechanics pouncing on the car yeah, right true. so yeah. there is no question of social distancing so how do you manage that there are a lot of questions that uh, need to be answered but at least they are making that effort they are making that first step uh, to go out and at least put that together uh, put a tentative calendar that is just a proposed calendar that we put out uh, yesterday it's not confirmed as of now 
in Arunachal, they can do it because, uh, you know, you have the wide open spaces and less population, so it's not as dense as the other parts of the country. Um, but then, how are the promoters going to get all the cars up there? Um, are the exactly. promoters going to pay for transport for all the cars? Uh, you know, it's far away. Itanagar is not close. And even to get there, so you fly to Guwahati, then it's an entire day drive to drive from Guwahati to Itanagar unless they organize helicopters. And so it's, uh, there are a lot of questions, but let's just look at the positives that uh, at least they are talking that, yeah, we're going to do the 2020 INRC. It's not like 2020 is going to be completely washed out. So let's just be positive and hope that they can overcome these challenges. But then it requires a certain amount of precautions. Only if like... Of course, of course, you definitely have to have serious amount of precautions because this is no laughing matter. Yeah, Look at what it's done to the world. Yeah. We are all at home. We've all exactly. shifted the way we work. We are, I haven't seen an airport in six months. And earlier, I used to be on a plane every second or third day. Um, so it's completely changed our lives. That's the dream job we are looking for. Yeah, touch wood, I'm fortunate. <laughs> Uh, since we are getting in the rally scene and we were doing a, a bit of research about you and we got to find out that you were driven in the rally in the even in the F60, F1600 series. So what was your experience like now you review cars that are there in the market, the cars that's for, that is for the regular people and you yourself driven a rally car. What was the major differences that you, I, I'm pretty sure that there are huge major differences there. And there are, but then what was the feel like, you know, getting into a rally car, then hopping back and reviewing, reviewing a car. Are those car, uh, cars at par with, you know? First things first is the other way around. My day job is reviewing cars and my hobby is motorsport. So, the and I got into motorsport thanks to journalism because uh, journalism gave me an opportunity to go out and participate in the Raid de Himalaya. That was in 2003. With uh, Marky Suzuki, we drove an 800cc Alto on the raid and we won oh, our beautiful. category outright. So that was my very first event. And no, from there, it all progressed. So to answer your question on how different a motorsport vehicle is from a road car, it's uh, very different. Now, our rally cars are group and spec. So group and spec means that it is the same specification as the car that you could buy out of the showroom. Now, obviously, the Polo 1.6 is not available in showrooms, but earlier when we used to rally, that is the car that we used and before that, the CDR and of course, all the S-Team and the City S-teams. and all of that, right? So, that a group and spec means you're using the same engine that is there in the road car, but you can have an aftermarket ECU, so you have a motorsport ECU, uh, your engines are also you know, prepped well, so they do develop around, you know, say, 20 horsepower more than the stock engine intakes, exhaust, the cars aren't lighter because even though you strip down the cars, but you also install a roll cage in it. So the roll cage is heavy. So the cars are almost the same weight as the road car. What actually makes the big difference to a rally car and to any motorsport car for that matter is the suspension because it's the suspension that allows you to hit those bumps on the dirt tracks and when you're taking off at say 120, 130 kilometers per hour, um, all four wheels in the air, you land and you continue. If you do that in a road car, your four wheels will be in four different directions, (laughs) if at all, if it is attached to the car. So it's the suspension that actually transforms a motorsport vehicle. Uh, It's the suspension that allows you to go around the corner at a million miles an hour. 
which you can't do on a road car. Also the tires. So how the tires work with the suspension because gravel tires, those tires, the amount of grip that it gives you on a dirt track and then you drive yeah, a normal true. road car, a road car at 40 kilometers per hour, you'll be sliding all over the place. Whereas in a rally car, you know, you're doing 140 kilometers per hour around that corner. So yeah, the tires yeah. grip, they bite, then the suspension, how that works. Uh, and then of course your driving skill, but uh, it is the uh, suspension that makes a big, big difference to uh, rally car. Also, the suspension only works if you make the suspension work for you. I'll give an example. Yeah, okay. If you drive at say 20 kilometers per hour in a rally car with rally suspension, the car will be sliding all over the place because there is no load on the suspension and that's why the suspension is not moving and is not generating any grip. So to make a suspension, to make the suspension work, you have to be driving really hard. So then the impact, the load, that is what makes the suspension work, makes the suspension push the tires to find grip. And actually, you need that amount of weight transfer on the corners and on exactly. the suspension to work them. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the first time true. I drove, yeah, first time I drove a Group N uh, Impreza that was in Finland. Uh, Nareen Kumar was driving in the production World Rally Championship. So we went to do a test on his car. And the first time I drove it, I was driving it slowly because obviously I didn't want to prank his car. <laughs> Tommy Macklin was there. I didn't want to make a fool of myself. But when you're driving it slow, the car's all over the place. You can't do anything yeah. to it. You have to drive a rally car fast to actually see what it can do. And to actually you have to purchase send it. Yeah, you have to send it. Yeah, you really do have to send it. And it's the same <laughs> with race cars. Um, yeah. I did that uh, uh, race with the Formula 1600. When you're going slowly, things are not working for you. You're just you know, exactly. you're putting in so much effort, but you're not going anywhere. You really need to push the car, get the car to slide. Uh, and that's when you make everything work for you and you get the lap time out of it. So all these motorsport vehicles have to be pushed. And when you push, that's when it delivers in terms of the it's time. It's like you reach the optimum point when you push the vehicles in play. Exactly, yeah. We, we actually wanted to shift to your Formula 1600 uh, you know, time. Uh, since the Formula 1 is also going on, so we'd like to compare the... I mean, I mean we, we cannot compare them, but then everything has a cap. So do you think uh, motorsport should like, even F1 is trying to put a cap on their uh, R&D sector, right? Cap in, in the sense of money cap. Do you think it's a good initiative for F1 to do it? Because, you uh, obviously, know, be... because see, if you look at, yeah, if you look at the gap between Mercedes and the rest of the guys, so you have Mercedes, you have Red Bull, and uh, then you just look at where the rest of the guys are. Renault, they are a, no, a top four manufacturer in the world. And they can't compete in terms of budgets. And so that's ridiculous, right? Um, you need to have some form of level playing field. I'm not criticizing Mercedes. I'm not criticizing Lewis Hamilton. They are at the absolute top of the game. I'm a Mercedes game. fan, just saying. Yeah, so <laughs> they are at the absolute top of their game. But uh, you want the racing to be a little closer, right? Yeah, uh, you want uh, more people to be fighting for the victory every uh, race weekend. Whereas right now, it's a foregone conclusion that Hamilton yeah. will win. And at the max, you might have Bottas. But, yeah, uh, it's like it's, one, two yeah. silver arrows. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, black arrows now. Yeah, black arrows. <laughs> so, the, I don't think that's great for the sport because uh, that's what you want to watch, right? The second race of the season. Uh, you know, all that ups and downs. That's, yeah. what, that's what kept us um, exactly. on the edge of our seats, right? Uh, 
Whereas now, what happened in the last race? It was just a runaway victory, uh, and then at the end of it, uh, Hamilton says that uh, you know they managed their tire strategy very well. Uh, nobody's watching a race for tire strategy. Nobody's exactly. watching a race and saying, "Wow, look at how they conserve their tires." No balls. <laughs> they actually want wheel-to-wheel -wheel action, and yeah, that is it. what you want to see. I guess that's what that's what is happening during the mid the mid ranges of the F1. Like Lando Norris is coming in, then Alex yes. Albon is performing very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always seems to be in the wars. Yeah. <laughs> but then he yeah. So that's what you want, push. right? You want all that action. You want uh, two three guys to be fighting for the win. Yeah. You want uh, Verstappen to have that extra two three tenths so that he can then yeah. challenge Hamilton at the front and uh, I mean, show. What I guess Verstappen is yeah. you know. Is satisfied with what the what he is. I've heard his uh, radio radio checks and all. He's saying let's concentrate on my race first and then eventually get on to what Mercedes is doing. I don't think we can not, not go ahead. Right? I don't think he's satisfied. I think he is uh, <laughs> given up, and I think he yeah. knows that this is the max that I can do, and I'm not going to be able to challenge Mercedes on outright pace unless it is raining or the weather is mm -hmm. uh, favoring uh, their car. But I think he's just like no. There's, this is all I can do. So let's just focus on uh, what I have yeah, to do exactly. and not uh, look at what uh, Mercedes is doing. So he's just stuck over there as the third fastest uh, car, and he doesn't have support from his teammate either to uh, you know yeah. make those strategy calls either because Albon is no class on uh, Verstappen. True. And true, true. also, you need Ferrari to get like maybe five six seconds. We faster. definitely so need then... <laughs> Ferrari to get back to the game. You yeah, cannot be finishing thirteen, yeah. fourteen, then call yourself a Ferrari anymore. Seriously, yeah, yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. So now uh, coming to automotive journalism, like that's your main thing. So that's my job. <laughs> yeah. How did you like started with the whole car review and like what got you into this? Uh, it's a long story. I uh, I was doing my final year of engineering, and I saw an ad in Overdrive magazine that said, "Enthusiasm high. If you are interested in cars, uh, send a sample of your writing and your bio," which I did. And I forgot about it. And two months later, Adil, who was editing uh, Overdrive back then, he called up home because he had seen my uh, email. So he had called up. He called up home. I spoke to my mom. I was uh, interning at Thermax back then. Uh, mom called me uh, at work, um, and I—I I know Adil calling me. That was like shit. Goddess uh, picked up the phone and uh, called home. So the, I bunked work, uh, went home, changed, went and met Adil. Uh, we spoke for two hours, and he said, "Would you like to join?" I said, "Hell yeah, I would like to join." And that was it. I was supposed to go uh, finish my engineering and go to the states to do my masters, but uh, that never happened. I interned with Overdrive in my final year of engineering. So. In my final year of engineering, I was interning at Overdrive. I was also doing my uh, final year project at Thermax. Uh, did all of that at the same time. And as soon as I got my uh, degree, I uh, joined Overdrive, and that was it. I never looked back. Uh, I was there at Overdrive for 12 years. Uh, the last six years, I was editor. We launched the Overdrive show on CNBC, TV18. Um, that's our. That was the first time that we actually yeah. jumped into television. We mm -hmm. won the best. Uh, Automotive Best Show in English, uh, the NT Awards, the National Television Awards, for two years in a row in our first two years. Uh, after that, I uh, quit Overdrive and went to Porsche. I was the head of press and marketing for Porsche in India. Did that for eight months and um, realized that uh, no, I'm no good behind a desk. 
and uh, then I quit that and I started uh, Evo India magazine. Oh, so, okay. Short story. <laughs> <laughs> so, back when you started, uh, and now, how is it different back back then and now? You know the time when those cars and the current cars that are coming into the picture right now. Yeah, so it is night and day, but it is also very similar. Uh, similar in terms of its passion that drives all of us. All of us who are into automotive journalism are just crazy passionate about cars and bikes, and that's why we are here, and that's why we do it. Uh, there are jobs that pay more and all of that, but uh, all of us here enjoy doing this, waking up uh, at the crack of dawn and going out and driving a new car or riding a new bike and you know, creating content on it. So that passion, that doesn't change. That's always there. Mm-hmm. What has changed is uh, digital, social. Back when I started off uh, in our office at Overdrive, there was one computer connected to the internet and that's it. And that was a normal dial-up connection. Um, I remember we used to download Formula One images from Sutton images and uh, each image, it must have been those days, no, 1.5 MB. Each image would take around 20 minutes to download. Uh, <laughs> there was no Google research, which is what a lot of people do today. Uh, yeah. We read press kits when they came. We read uh, international magazines when they came two, three months after they were published in Europe. Um, we had maybe one car, one new car, two new cars every month, uh, one or two new bikes every month, Uh, 60cc moped, that was my first road test, the Sunny Spice, a 60cc two-stroke moped. We had to first run it in before doing performance testing. When I ran it in, um, it seized on me thrice, Uh, (laughs) went to the dealership, got it sorted out, again ran it in, uh, did performance testing. What performance testing? That doesn't even go to 80 kilometers per hour. But yeah, we uh, performance tested it detailed performance test and an eight page road test on a 60cc moped, uh, a scooteret. So those days you would devote a lot of time to every single car, every single bike, no matter how small, no matter how, uh, it's hard to find interest, right? For a Sunny Spice. Yes, since you've been reviewing all this. uh, But you still uh, had to go ahead and uh, do it. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of time on our hands. We could slow cook our stories. Um, you know, discuss it uh, till the cows came home, uh, debate, all of that. So yeah. uh, we used to spend half our time in the office uh, playing Colin McRae rally <laughs> until the editor came to office and then we would all look like, pretend that we were yeah. working. Let's we get back no, to work. Let's get back to work. <laughs> yeah. We had no, the, we had no website to feed. Okay. So we didn't have that beast that kept having to be fed. There was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram. So you didn't have to post anything. So you went out, one day you were doing only performance testing, second day you were doing fuel efficiency testing, third day you were driving it, fourth day you were driving it, fifth day you were chilling, sixth day you were chilling. Then you would get down to writing the story. Uh, so it yeah. was uh, fairly relaxed. Now so, it is, you know, the minute you sit in the car, you've got to start you know, feeding the social media beast. Yeah, You're yeah. putting out content nonstop. And you're just nonstop on the phone, uh, you know, doing videos, doing pictures. Then uh, no, you carry your laptop, and then in the middle of nowhere, you're sitting, you're writing out the story because you have to put out the web story as soon as possible, and all so of true. that. So sure. uh, you don't really get that much time. Luckily, magazine journalists still they go back home and then they rethink what they thought of the car, uh, analyze uh, what all they felt, and then put it down into print. 
so at least uh, that is still there but other journalists who do only uh, social and only in uh, web uh, they don't have the time so it is all yeah, yeah, they right. to put it up the minute they even see the car forget drive the car and uh, that's uh, maybe affecting the quality of journalism is yeah but on the plus side there's also the fact that we have far more cars and bikes to review uh, when i started off uh, it was uh, to even see a ferrari was a dream forget doing a test on a ferrari right but now we do ferraris we do porsches the new issue of evo uh, we've got yeah. all four generations of the 911 turbo on the yeah, cover yeah. so we've got like really cool cars that we have access to uh, so that has changed yeah and that is for the better so even back then But, um, you guys used to like test the vehicles pretty hard like oh yeah yeah the so overdrive was the first magazine to invest in their own data uh, testing equipment okay. when we started so, off we had the datron corvit uh, that was an optical a light sensor that yeah. whole equipment was three big suitcases like full thing huh? it was three big suitcases to install the gear it took you some 45 minutes to an hour uh, if it was wet yeah. the optical sensor wouldn't read so you couldn't test in the wet uh, like even if the road was a little wet you have to wait for it to be completely dry only then it would uh, generate uh, you had to have two people testing the car so i would invariably be in the passenger seat assisting the road test editor or the assistant editor when they were testing it and it was a computer that was like this big and it weighed i think uh, 10 kilos or you know 8 10 kilos it was on my lap we used to test at the vrd which was very bumpy oh the bumps were very bumpy and those days cars were very soft it's only now that you have like you know firm cars but those yeah. days cars even like the honda city vtec back then very soft car so when it hit the bump you would really feel the bump and then you had this whole computer on my lap going you no know, up down up down so it was a very physical experience and doing 200 kilometers per hour in that honda city vtec that yeah. was frightening to say the least uh, <laughs> and then it had the computer had an inbuilt dot matrix printer so there was no displays and you no know, that would cut up and then you would have your test <laughs> result uh, now we have a uh, vbox uh, gear the vbox okay. uses gps signals and it is this big and that's it you just uh, suction mount it onto the windshield and uh, you have an app on your iphone and via bluetooth you get all the test figures it is so much quicker so much more convenient so much more accurate also um but uh, so i had a question going back to the point where where you made that technology is actually changed everything uh, i mean that's across every industry how has that affected uh, the sales of of regular hardcover magazines i mean do people prefer digit to read digital versions of it or do people still have that appeal of getting a magazine and uh, you know just reading it because i remember as a kid now i wasn't a i wasn't into cars but then the biggest appeal for me would be the there used to be this poster that post these, a huge poster so i would only buy them just for that so that's what i wanted to know that since people prefer all of all things digital how has that affected uh, magazine sales and everything i mean i think is it isn't it because of the you know travels like i remember reading all these magazine during my travels through train i mean now the life has become so fast that people have no time to you know read up a buy a magazine and read it up yeah 
Yeah, so fact of the matter is that people no longer read a magazine cover to cover. When I was growing up, I would even read the specifications and the car and bike prices at the back of the magazine. Back. I would read every single word in the magazine. Now people don't have that kind of time because you know you've got information overload. You've got your phone buzzing all the time. You've got Twitter. You've got Facebook. You've got Instagram. Then you've got the magazine. Um, what we focus on. and what we made a conscious decision when we started evo india magazine was to focus on stuff that you would not read on digital and social media yeah. which is enthusiastic long format stories so all okay. our cover stories are between 12 to 16 pages long it's all lavish pictures and uh, writing which is uh, you know bordering on the prose it's uh, you know great writing great pictures and yeah. make the car come alive basically put you as a reader in the driver seat and make you experience the thrill of driving or the thrill of riding so you read one story and you say no fuck man one day i want to buy a porsche <laughs> and that is what we are aiming at with the magazine coming to like japanese engines so what i feel is like the cars being manufactured in india or more like sold in india i feel the quality is very different from the same car that is being sold outside Okay so I have two things to say to that uh, one is don't believe everything that you read on social media okay. okay and the second is that for a manufacturer to uh, do two different qualities on the same line is next to impossible so I'll give you an example the Bellino it is made in India for even Japan so all the cars in Japan and I have seen a Bellino in Japan so it's not like just Maruti is putting out releases and uh, you know fooling people saying that no the car is uh, there in Japan I've seen the car in Japan it's the same car that is made here in India so there is no difference um, earlier it used to be a, the case that the grade of steel was a little different but yeah. uh, now it's no longer the case like when Hyundai exports cars on the line to have two different grades of steel is uh, a production nightmare and nobody it's does that it's a costly affair for them also yeah nobody nobody cares nobody goes but then these manufacturers are doing this funny thing that uh, like i went to singapore and i saw sx4 as a hatchback come suv a mid range suv let's call it and the same sx4 in india is a sedan so what's that what's the deal that people manufacturers are you know manufacturing the same name manufacturing the vehicle in the same name but with different you know outcomes of it like one is in sc mid range suv so it's not just india and southeast asia if you I look mean, everywhere at, uh, in the world uh, yeah so if you look at the asian market corolla and the american yeah. market corolla yes. there are two different cars the asian market civic and the american market civic again two yeah. different cars yeah. are I mean, completely di- completely different volkswagen the american passat and the european yeah. passat and india gets the european passat two yeah. different cars Uh, so yeah. these are cars made for the peculiarities of uh, individual markets in okay. america the civic the corolla what are they termed as they're termed as subcompacts subcompacts yeah you know uh, your what is a subcompact it's a alto so <laughs> yeah. so in america all the cars have to be large big uh, so those cars work over there right so that i would not really put too much weightage to and i wouldn't really break my head over it so um we just about to wrap up so before you, uh, before we let you go we actually had a quick rapid fire for you so it's seven questions um and yeah i'll just shoot them one at you and yeah just uh, and yeah we'll do this so here it goes bikes or cars <laughs> bikes but i'm more of a car guy because uh, 
I get more access to cars, and I'm uh, I'm far too terrified of falling down and doing, uh, <laughs> breaking something. So, uh, and I do a bit of motorsport and uh, bikes racing is uh, I can't do that. Uh, I don't have the skill. SUV or sedan? Sedan. Automatic or manual? Manual. One exotic car that you would love to own. Just one. Uh, okay, <laughs> let, let's expand it to three. Let's expand it to three. Yeah. Okay, so an R thirty four GTR. Uh, oh, beautiful. Six point five and a nine thirty turbo. <laughs> okay. You just listed out the dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, um, I also want a G wagon, a G AMG. uh any generation that would be i nice. would love a uh, uh, 240z uh, i would love a 240z yeah the, uh, the fair lady yeah, i would love it with the cosworth engine that would be great uh, you know so there's a, it just goes on and on right uh, the list goes early, on and on <laughs> yeah and early escort uh, and just uh, no go honing around with it yeah, yeah. but out of these so, if you just have to pick one Uh, you putting out the sport gtr <laughs> the gtr maybe yeah okay yeah. the one vehicle that, that was a pleasure to review oh there's uh, a lot if you just talk about in the last month then obviously the thar because i really enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. driving that and it was it exceeded expectations let's put it that way uh i enjoy everything to be honest i enjoy driving the celerio to the quid to the ferrari 812 super fast i i enjoy everything uh, i don't uh, have anything like no this is a um, it is sub 15 uh, bhp yeah. and i'm not going to go anywhere close to it i enjoy driving all cars because all cars have their joy with the yeah. uh, the 812 for instance no you have to be driving like an absolute lunatic to actually true, true. go anywhere close to the performance potential of the car whereas uh, with a quid you know you are driving it and you are having a blast at 50 kilometers per hour uh, so the, there is joy to be had in every single car and bike that uh, you are fortunate enough to get your hands on yeah right this is um, true one word that you would use to describe your relationship with automotive vehicles i love <laughs> and uh, lastly predicts your prediction for the current f1 season Oh shit! Uh, doesn't uh, it's a no shit Sherlock question, right? <laughs> Mercedes. <laughs> Obviously, I, I mean, mean I'm kind of sad with the Williams going out. I mean, because Williams they dominated, they literally dominated F1 in the early stages. But now, look what what's happened. Yeah, but uh, who is to blame? Uh, Williams itself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's, uh, Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. no sure Sherlock. Yeah, Hamilton is going to win the championship. Hamilton is going to win the championship, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. It, with this, so do you think that with this, if he wins this, does that make him one of the greatest of all? I mean, does he actually enter the goat conversation then? He is. Or is he? Because yeah, yeah, obviously he will enter the pantheons, pantheon of greats. Uh, is he the greatest? You cannot compare. No, the the fifties champions to true, true. the two thousands to the twenty twenties, right? The, uh, can you say that uh, um, Hamilton was better than uh, is better than Senna? Uh, can you compare? You need to put them in the same car once, yes. Like, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, uh, how do you compare Nuvolari to the Hamilton? 
Haan, yeah. the I mean, you can the, compare them the once you try to put them in the same car. Because and you will never get them in the same car, right? Yeah. So, true, true. So it's, it's, a, it's a question of endless debate. Sure. Right. That, that's very but, true. Uh, there's no conclusion. Well, we had a really good time talking to you, Sharice, and we're really grateful that, uh, you know, you could spare some time for us um, and, you know, just helped us in this journey of, uh, you know, uniting the car community and the car enthusiast culture. Just one, it just puts us one step further towards uh, achieving that goal. Um, we would really like it if you could just give out your socials and so that, you know, people know where to find you. Yeah, I'm on uh, Sirish Tandran, S-I-R-I-S-H-C-H-A-N-D-R-A-N. Uh, that's uh, across platforms and uh, all the best to you guys yeah we need uh, more young guys thank like you, so you to thank talk, you so talk much about thank you so much the, uh, because see journalism now is not just print is not just this it's no yeah. it's across the board across mediums and uh, you know reaching out to different uh, audiences is important and you know you take the message to a larger cross section of people get more people enthused and excited about cars motorsport the whole automotive uh, culture and the uh, more this community grows, the better it is. It is for all of us. Yeah, that, that's very true. Very true. Thank you. I nice hope you had fun with us. I hope you had a great yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, the pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much, Rish. Uh, hope you have a great day ahead and uh, stay safe. All the best, guys. Take care. Uh, Thank, you so much. Thank you so much. And, uh, continue to do out, uh, put out good stuff, man. Definitely. Sure thing. Sure thing. Thank Here's you. Bye-bye. Bye.